seated. Well, good morning, church. Who's fired up to be at church today? Fired up to be in LaGrange, Texas today. I am so excited uh, to be here. I've been able to train some financial coaches yesterday. We trained 10 financial coaches here, and it was a lot of fun. I uh, got to go see Round Top, get fired up, and uh, I got to go to Winchester, Texas, and explored a lot of areas that's awesome, fired up to be here. Uh, before I dive into the message, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I grew up just south of Indianapolis, Indiana, in the middle of the cornfields. If you've ever seen a cornfield, you've seen all of Indiana, basically. And uh, I grew up as the youngest of six boys. Uh, my mother and father had four boys. They really wanted a daughter, and so they got another baby on the way, and uh, the youngest was about five years old at the time, their fourth boy, and it was a, uh, March 31st, about 10 o'clock at night, 1974, almost 46 years ago, and so what's the day after March 31st? April Fool's Day. This is relevant to this story. So my mother's in labor. She goes to the hospital. It's 10 o'clock at night, and the nurse is listening to the womb with a stethoscope, checking on the baby, and uh, that's how they checked on babies back then. She got this puzzled, perplexed look, raced out and got a doctor and said, there's something wrong with this baby's heartbeat. And the doctor came and he listened and he broke into a broad smile and said, there's nothing wrong with the baby's heartbeats. There's two of them. And my mother said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to have one and it better be a girl. Or I'm sending it back. And uh, I've witnessed that she said that. And she said that is an awful April Fool's Day joke. And so I, the doctor just smiled and said, I don't know about the boy or girl part, but there's two. Get ready. And so a half hour later, my identical twin brother was born. And seven minutes later, I was born. Yes. Three weeks late, 14.5 pounds of baby get fired up. Yeah. And so my mom cried and said, the Lord has spoken. If we try for a daughter again, we'll have triplet boys. So we are through with this nonsense. So I'm loud. It was essential to my survival being the youngest of six boys. And uh, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money around the house. I don't know how it was for you when you grew up, but we didn't have any extra money. In fact, my dad, we had one family automobile, and it was a 1974 Oldsmobile Delta 88 Royale. I don't know if any of you remember those land yachts. They were awesome. Uh, but no one was allowed to sit up front with mom and dad. We had to sit in the back. So me and my twin had to choose between sitting on the hump or in the back window. Seat belts, what are those? And we survived. Can you believe it? And uh, my dad said he would have these moments when he'd look in that rearview mirror and he would see six little sets of eyes staring at him. And he's like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be broke forever. How do I even feed these six boys? They're eating me out of house and home. And he had an epiphany. He said, I know, I'm going to put them to work growing our food. And so some of it walked around on the hoof, but a lot of it was grown in a garden. And I don't know if any of you have been blessed to grow your own food, but I was blessed. I had called it other things back when I was a kid. Child abuse, torture. When my mother would announce it was green bean picking day. Anybody be blessed with that? I'd pick every green bean. I knew I had to meet every one of them later because we were either going to snap them or string them. And we put up 100 quarts of green beans at a time. And so we didn't ever lack for food, but we had a lot of green beans. Like, how do you want your breakfast? How do you want your eggs cooked? Here's a scoop of green beans. I mean, a great combination. Uh, but we didn't have any extra money, and I didn't know much about money. It was a great childhood growing up. Uh, but I really began my money journey when I went off to college. Even though I'm the youngest of six, me and my twin were the first to go to college. Uh, ended up going to Purdue University to study mechanical engineering. Uh, my twin brother went to the arch rival, Indiana University. We have to call him doctor now. And uh, we're, we're not, none of us are trying to keep up with him. But I studied mechanical engineering, and I started my money journey. 
Because this money thing was scarce in my life. And what I realized is that I, I had one gift with money. I was very talented at doing one thing with money. Anybody want to venture a guess what that was? Oh, some of you have that gift of spending. Yes. Who has the gift of spending money? Okay. Let's pray. Jesus, deliver them, Lord. And all the savers said, amen. Yeah. But I'm a spender and I'm talented. I mean, I would go out at lunch, spend too much on lunch and accidentally buy a truck. I mean, it was bad. It's bad. But anyhow, I, I went to college and I had no money. And my parents were like, you know, you're on your own. And so I started dating Sally May, student loan company. And all, and some of you know her first cousins, Navient, Federal Direct Loan, Nelnet, Great Lake Servicing, or any of those. But I financed all my college education. My first weekend there, they said they would give me free stuff if I'd fill out some credit card applications. So I filled out all of them. I remember three of them, even though it was quite a while ago. It feels like it was yesterday. Uh, it was a simple application process. What is your name? Joseph Single. What is your income? Zero dollars per year, week, month, choose, whichever. It doesn't matter. Zero. What is your job? I do not have one. And I got free stuff, man. It took me like 60 seconds to fill out this application and the wages were incredible. They gave me a free two liter of Coca-Cola. Yes. I got a free t-shirt from AT&T that advertised their long distance service. Like people my age and older, you all know what that is. The millennials are like, huh? What? There are people my age and older here who have wounds on your soul from talking too long on long distance. It used to cost money to call someone on the other side of town. Who's here who got those wounds in your soul? All right, Lord, heal them. Heal them. Help them, Lord. Think about data. It's similar to data. And then I got a duffel bag from American Express that I still use hunting to this day. And so I admitted truthfully on paper that I had no money, no job, no income. Do you think they sent me a credit card? Yes, they did. A week later, I had a credit card. Why? Because they know that college students typically have parents who have mercy on their poor college student's soul and bail them out of their mess. They did not know my parents who said, you made it, you fix it, you clean it up, you're totally and completely on your own. And so I started my money journey by doing some more spending. And I had zero classes on how to manage money. Is it any different for you? K through 12, 13 years of school, zero classes on how to manage money. I had home economics, which should be about home economy. We learned how to make no-bake cookies that we didn't even put in the oven, right? Which no-bake cookies are awesome. Uh, but And I'm glad I know how to make them. Uh, but let me tell you, that doesn't help me with my money situation. And then I, I went through four years of college at Purdue University. And let me tell you, I was not a stellar student. I quickly realized there were a lot more smarter people than me. Some people graduated magna cum laude, summa cum laude. I graduated thank the laude. And got out of there. A 2.64 GPA. Get fired up. Um, I didn't get a single A in any engineering class. So be glad I'm not designing stuff right now. It would harm someone. But anyhow, I, I, I had no classes for, for that then. Then I ended up going to Clemson University, get my master's in business, and no more classes about managing my personal money. Is it any different for you? And what I realized is that all of us we carry at some level money wounds in our life. All of us. All of us. And that's my first point that I wanted to share today. If you're taking notes, and the first one is this, is that we all have to deal with money. We all have to deal with it. We cannot like it. That's okay. You cannot like money. You cannot like having conversations about it. But what you do not know about money, what you choose to not learn or engage with, can absolutely harm and prevent you 
from being able to move towards the dreams God has for you. We all have to deal with money, but we carry money wounds. Some of us have money wounds from our youth. You know, maybe we grew up in poverty, and so we grew up with severe lack. And so we tend to want to hoard or store up or keep because we never want to go back that way. Or maybe you grew up where money was used as power or control over your life. And so you kind of have this weird view of money that really isn't aligned with God's word and how it views money. But nevertheless, it's a real wounding. And so I encourage you to think about this fact that we all have to deal with money. And I remember when I first started out, I knew nothing about money other than spending it. And so I started hearing people talk about money. I was trying to learn about it. I didn't know what was going on. In fact, it was like gobbledygook. It's like hearing, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher when they talk about money. Wah, 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 wah. Like, like it would say, you know, you're, you should invest in your retirement plan, your 401k, your 403b, your 457, your TSP, your SEP IRA, your IRA, your SIP IRA. And I'm like, are you speaking in tongues? Like, what is going on right now? And it's like answering an endless riddle. They would say something and then they would answer it. And I wouldn't know either thing. It would be like answering this question. If you're in a canoe with four flat tires paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes would it take to cover a doghouse? There is an answer. Let me ask it again so you listen carefully. If you're in a canoe with four flat tires paddling down the middle of a cornfield, how many pancakes would it take you to cover a doghouse? The answer is it doesn't matter because the chicken doesn't need ice cream anyhow. Do you get it? No, you don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. And that's exactly how money was for me. Is I would hear somebody, they would ask a question. I'd be like, I don't know what you just said. They would give me the answer and act like they're literally handing out nuggets of gold to me. Like nodding, oh, this is a great answer. I'm like, I don't know what you just said either. And then I'd be like, all right, I've had enough. Let's go out to eat on a credit card and buy another truck. Right? Because I did not know what they were saying and I did not want to deal with money. But I realized I must be able to engage and learn about money. In fact, uh, I started looking for, for ways to learn about money. I started reading books about it. Uh, all the books by the Daves, David Bach, David Ramsey, David Chilton. I thought your name had to be Dave to write a financial book. Uh, and then I, I found the greatest money book ever written. Guess what that is? The Bible. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible talks more about the topic of money and possessions than it does the topics of love, hope, and prayer combined. If you look in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of every six verses talks about money or possessions. If you look at the stories, and we're going to look at one of them that Jesus shared today, there's 38 of those stories. They're commonly known as parables. Of those 38 stories documented in those four Gospels, 17 of those Jesus used money or possessions to illustrate the point. Why would he do that? Because he knew this first point is true. We all have to deal with money. It's an everyday decision. As you came here today, it was a money decision. You burn a little fuel in the car. The car tires wore out a little more. The brakes wore out a little more. Wore out a little extra for some of us who drive a little more aggressively. Right? It's a money decision. And so I started reading this and started applying it. And it started transforming how I viewed money. How I managed these resources. And I promise you today that if you apply this stuff here today, I'm going to share my testimony. Uh, I've passed some tests, so I have a testimony, and I'm fired up to share that. And uh, also, I pray that it will help you take your next step towards the Lord with everything he's placed in your hands. And I'm going to summarize this story, and then we'll dive into the pieces of it. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, Jesus shares this story, commonly known as the parable of the talents. 
And the talents is just a measurement of money. Uh, and it says that there was an owner. And who owns it all? That's right. When the preacher asks a question, the answer is yes or God, right? So just who owns it all? God owns it all. That's the truth. And it says the owner entrusted his stuff to three managers. He left. And two of the guys, they put their money to work. They doubled their money. The guy who, who he buried his, the other guy, and here's the news flash on the early 5 p.m. news. The guys who doubled theirs, thumbs up from Jesus. The guy who buried his, thumbs down from Jesus. And so I want to be able to challenge each of us in our own journey with our stewardship and our finances uh, through this today. The second point that I want to share with you is that God has blessed each of us. God has blessed each of us. This is a really good place to say amen. I mean, many of us, let me tell you how blessed we are. Many of us are so blessed. We are so blessed that we have houses for our cars. Called garages. And they're bigger than most people's houses on the planet. We're so blessed that we have spare bedrooms for guests that we have not had in 17 years. For real. Don't go in there. Right? But but that's how blessed we are. We're so blessed that we have not unintentionally missed a meal, some of us, in 20 years or longer. That's how blessed we are. God has blessed each of us. And what we do with what God has placed in our hands is so very important. Our talents, our time, and our treasure. We pick up this passage of Scripture, Matthew 25, 14, and 15. It says, again, you'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent. And then will you read these next five words with me that are underlined? Let's go. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Do you, what's that fifth word there? Ability. When I read that, that was great news. Smile, that's great news. Because it says that if you increase your ability, God will give you more to manage. You may be praying because God's giving you a dream and the dream outpaces your bank account. The dream outpaces what your friends say you can do, but you know God gave you the dream. Why is there a gap between your dream and what you have right now? So that God can show up Work the miracle and only he will get the glory. But you must increase your ability. How do you increase your ability? Reading God's word, prayer, and through wise counsel. In Proverbs fifteen twenty two, it says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Do you have some wise counsel in your life in this area called money? We know we go farther with a coach, right? That's why we trained 10 coaches here yesterday. So that you can get free confidential, nobody's going to try to sell you anything other than the love and hope of Jesus Christ to be able to help you get from where you are to where you want to go for absolutely free. And anyone in the community who would request it. Because we know how important it is to have wise counsel. It helps us increase our ability. We pick it up in verse 16 through 18. It says, the man who'd received the five talents took a nap. Is that what it says? It says he what? Went at once and put his money to work. Be, pay careful attention to that. It's an investing principle. He put his money to work and, and gained five more. He doubled his money. Who here wants to double your money? Anybody want to double your money? Everybody say double. Double. We don't see a trend here. And it says, so also the one with two talents gained two more. Doubled. But the man who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Not good. And so, look at this. Over the last year, it's been about, think back to last spring, 
over the last year, think about everything God sent your way to manage. Everything. Opportunities, resources, stuff, influence. How have you done with what the Lord has placed in your hands? Okay. Next question. In the next year, how do you want that answer to be the same or different? That's a challenging set of questions, isn't it? And I remember this moment in my life. It, it happened. It was December 2nd, 2002. I experienced something called an IHHE moment. An I have had enough moment. You, you, know, you know this. We all experienced it. What happened when your mama had enough when you were little? Did things stay the same? When Mama Sangle had enough with her six boys, she would announce it to no one in particular. I have had enough! And then she'd pull out her primary weapon, which was a fly swatter with a metal wire. And she had moved towards the perpetrator, swinging wildly. If you got caught in the crossfire, she was unapologetic, saying she'd catch it up for something she didn't see us do. And she was right. And if we didn't straighten up, she would tell Dad. We wouldn't remember several months after that. And so we straightened up. And I had to have that moment with my finances where I said, I have had enough. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I've been a terrible steward. Listen, this is how terrible a steward I've been. I have spent everything God's placed in my hands. I financed a bunch more, and I dare to say that the problem is not me. I said, the problem is you, God. You need to give me more income. Have you ever done that? Many of us have. And so I had to repent of that, and I started reading God's Word, and I started reading this stuff. I read Proverbs 21.5 that says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. You've got to have a plan and diligently follow it. And then I read this verse, Proverbs 22, 7, about debt. It says the plans, uh, it says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower servant to the lender. And Romans 13, 8 talks about debt. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And then I read Proverbs 13, 11. A dis, uh, it's about investing. Dishonest money dwindles away. But he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Eleven verses later, Proverbs 13, 22 talks about inheritance. It says a good person. Leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. I read verses about giving. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. In Malachi 3, 10, where it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And that there may be food in my house, says the Lord Almighty. He says, test me in this. See, if I throw open the floodgates, pour out so much blessing, you'll not have room enough to contain it. And I started reading these verses, and I hid it in my heart, and I got fired up! Woo! And I started applying this stuff, and we put together a budget. We started using a word that's unbelievably powerful. It's two letters, unbelievably powerful, hard to say to yourself, really hard to say to your kids, almost impossible to say to your grandkids, but it's awesome. It's called no. Grandparents, you know, I'm, it's almost impossible to tell them no. But watch this. I started saying no, and we started attacking our debt. And in 14 months, we became debt-free except for our house. We're so fired up. The no more Sally Mae broke up the car payment, the truck payment, all the debts that we had. We broke up with all of it. And then we, we continued to live this stuff, got some savings built up. We got to fire ourselves three and a half years later and go on staff at a church we helped start in South Carolina. And I negotiated myself a 50% pay cut. Woo! It fired up, storing up my treasure in heaven. And we're still able to prosper. Why? Because we had no debt. Hey, perhaps God's calling you to get your finances in order, not so that you get more in the short term, but so you can still prosper, but with less. The greedy Christian prayer has been, just give me more, God. But I challenge you, 
Whatever the Lord has called you to do, regardless of its cost or the income it might generate, he's preparing the way. Will you walk in it? And so we got debt free. We started telling everybody, you can win with your money. You can be debt free. This is awesome. Woo! And people are staring at me like you're staring at me. Like, what do we do with this guy? And then this couple came to our pastor at church and asked for financial help. And uh, they said, boy, have we got the person to help you. His name is Joe. He's coming to your house. And they sent me. Those poor people. I showed up. I'm so fired up. I drove over to their house. And uh, I- I'm pumped up. I- all I've been told is it's a family of four. That's all I've been told. So I show up. And I- I've walked in the house. And have you ever felt like you walked in on an argument? I, I obviously had. I quickly realized why they were stressed. It was two parents and two teenage daughters. I immediately knew why they're stressed in the household. And so we, I, 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 passion made me keep going. And so I sat down with them. I'm like, all right, here's the deal. Uh, you cannot prosper if you don't save. We need to put God first. You need a budget. Proverbs 1 and 5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Let's put together a budget. Do you have income? And they said, yes. And I said, that's great. Because if without income, you cannot have outgo. Right. If you do not have income, there's a good place to go when you're broke to work. It's a surefire money making scheme. And so we put together a budget. I'm said, here's the deal. Let's put in your income. And now we need to put in. Let's put let's put God first. And they're like, uh, we want to, but we can't afford that. I'm like, well, it says in God's word to put him first and he'll put you first. And 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 we need and they're like, well, we can't afford that. You don't know our whole story yet. I'm like, well. We, we're, let's put it in here. Since we're planning, let's put it in here. And they're like, okay. And so we got down to the second thing. I said, you need to save money. Proverbs twenty-one twenty says, in the house of the wise, there are stores of choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp all theirs down. And so we need to save. And they're like, uh, we can't do that either. I'm like, well, you can't prosper if you don't save. Let's put some in here and then see what decisions we could make to get there. Because, I, I mean, the, there's one drop in this cup, but it's half full. I'm optimistic. Let's go. And so they're like, okay. And we get down to groceries. And I said, okay, for your family of four, how much money do you need for the groceries for the whole month for your family? And they said, $150. I went, no, 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 no. No, you misunderstood me. Not per person or not per week. I said, for your family of four, the whole family for a month. And they said, $150. We're trying to get it to 100 And I looked at them and I said, uh, you're going to be skinny. And they were frighteningly skinny already. I'm like, we're coming back to that. We put 150 in there, and, and we get down, and we got to the other category. And I said, now, right now it looks okay to me. I, and I said, do you have any other expenses? And they said, actually, we do. And I said, okay, here it comes. And they said, you know, we belong to this organization known as 4-H, and we have show goats. I'm like, you live in the city. Where are these goats? And they said, uh, well, they're outside of town. And they told me that every day they drive 45 minutes each way, twice a day, to feed these goats alfalfa hay. I was like, that's awesome. Uh, how much do you spend on these goats per month? And they said, $400. And so their budget went in the red. And, and then I, I got the rest of the stuff in the budget and I took a look at it. Then I looked at them. I said, you can win with your money. They said, we can. I said, I know you can. You can give, you can save, you can invest, you can plan the rest, and you can win with your money. They said, we can. I'm like, I know you can. And they're like, what What do we need to do? And I said, when are you going to feed these goats next? And they said, this afternoon, when we're done meeting with you. I said, here's the deal. What you're going to do, this is awesome. You're going to drive over there, and you're going to kill those goats. And you're going to eat them. 
And you're going to solve your go-out-go problem and your grocery problem at the same time. Woo! Would it surprise you that they did not laugh? They didn't smile. Um, they didn't invite me back. But can I tell you something? It would have worked. And we can listen to that story. How crazy is it that they were feeding animals more than their own children? But watch this. I know we can look at that story and say that's ridiculous. But there are people in the sound of my voice right now. You have a goat in your life. Hear me. It is eating your lunch. It's robbing you of the ability to live generously. It's robbing you of the ability to save. And yet you continue to hold on. And my question today is what is the goat you need to go home today and slaughter? It's got to go. It may not be forever. It's just for now. Make sense? And so I encourage you, recognize that we all have to deal with money and that God has blessed each of us. The third point I want to share with you is we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable. In Matthew 25, 19, we see the accountability. It says, after a long time, doesn't say how long, but a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Every single one of us will be asked two questions at the end of our life. What did we do with Jesus? What did we do with what he gave us? Those are two questions we'll be asked. We'll be held accountable. And when I look in this story, I really see that there's three categories of people. And I wonder if maybe you could kind of figure out which category you fit in. And the first category I see in here is those who've managed well. Those who've managed well. And if that's you, you've been smiling at me today. And you're like, yeah, sick them, Joe. This is awesome. This is great. And you manage well. And we see this in verses 20 and 23. It says, the man who'd received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And if that's you, if you've managed well and you've managed, you've been a wise steward of what God has placed in your hands and he's blessed you, I encourage you to do three things every single day. Uh, the first thing I encourage you to do is to thank God. Thank God every single day, saying, you are my Jehovah Jireh, you are my great provider. I will trust in you. You own it all. It is yours. And I'm so grateful that you gave us your word and that when we live your word, life just goes better, doesn't it? The second thing I encourage you to do is to guard yourself. You see, as God gives us wealth, it can be easy to start to define ourselves by what we have and possess. Look at my 401k. I'm a million dollars. I have a million dollars. I'm a millionaire. Isn't that awesome? Until Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, right? When your 401k turned into a 201k and then into a box of special K in some cases. I mean, it was pretty serious. And Jesus gives this warning in Matthew 6. He says, don't store for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. What is he saying? Hey, you can store up. It's going to go away. It will perish. Only what's done for Christ, store up your treasures in heaven. Right? And that's incredible. So I encourage you to guard yourself. Make sure that you don't define yourself by your stuff. And then the third thing I encourage you is to teach others. Right? There are people in your life. Kids, grandkids, 
people you have influence over, people you work with. Have you noticed there's a lack of biblical teaching and training in this world? Uh, in a country that has a national debt of $23 trillion, that's $161,000 per taxpaying citizen, get fired up. That's probably not biblical money management. We have major challenges, macro and the micro level. Go teach those that you love. Uh, primarily your kids and your grandkids, right? Because Proverbs 22, 6, in the way I read it, says train your children the way they should go, right? They got to leave. Parents, right? Is that right? No, that's how I read it anyhow. And my 20-year-old is out. Hallelujah. Um, but I've got a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old we're still working on. They can stay a little while longer. Uh, but I'm teaching them. And I encourage you to teach others. The second category I see in here is those who've managed poorly. That's verses 24 through 30. Says the man who received the one talent came. This is if you're a C student, this is you following the A student to the teacher. Just so you know. Um, then the man who received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Do you see that? That's a real and legitimate feeling, fear. But is God the prince of fear or the prince of peace? And so this guy had bought into the lie from our common enemy who absolutely loves to make us fearful. And so he bought into that and watch what happens. So I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, Jesus' words, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I returned, I received it back with interest. And then this crazy statement is said, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For he, everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Challenging words from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hey, it is imperative that we manage this stuff well. This guy managed poorly. As I prepared this message, I was prompted to ask this question uh, that really uh, I discovered that 70% of Americans aren't even included in this story. You see, the guy who managed poorly is scolded. He kept what he was given. He just didn't do anything with it. If we were to include 70% of Americans who live paycheck to paycheck, broke to broke, can't even afford a $400 bill if it showed up in their life, that if we included him in this story, and I've been in this part of the story, that it would be written this way. I know that you gave me some. I spent it all immediately. I went and spent a bunch more. Can I please get a loan? And we kind of chuckled to keep from crying, and I lived there for years. And my encouragement is if you're in that category, those who are missing from the story, I encourage you, it's today is the day you should draw the line. That says it is time to move up to one who manages well. You have everything you need. If God is for us, who can be against us? And maybe today, just maybe on March 1, 2020, you would draw the line and say, never again that I am going to honor the Lord with the first fruits and discover the joy of generosity. I'm going to build margin in my life with some savings. And I'm going to start investing so that there's some seed for God to do some miraculous multiplication with and plan the rest knowing He's the owner. You know, I would go around kind of making jokes about how broke I was when I have an average bank balance of $4.13. I would write checks 
and put them in envelopes and put dates on the outside of the envelope so that I wouldn't mail it too early. Some of us know what I'm talking about because like, strange things would happen with that check, like bouncy, bouncy stuff. And, and I know none of you have ever lived that way, but I did for years. And so here's what I know. I'd tell these jokes. So I'm going to say I was so broke, I was really broke. And when I do that, say how broke. Will you do that? Let's go. Uh, let's do a few of these. I was broke. I mean, I was really broke. I was so broke, I was walking with one shoe on, and they said, hey, you lost a shoe. And I said, no, I found one. I mean, I was really broke. I was so broke that when somebody rang my doorbell, I had to personally yell ding-dong out the window because there was no power. I mean, I was really broke. I was so broke, I had to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and lick other people's fingers. (laughs) No, don't do that. That's really broke. Don't do that. And it's funny for me because that's past tense. I was broke. But as Pastor said, if you're saying I is broke, not funny when you're living in it. Let me tell you that I'm so broke jokes that weren't funny. I was so broke that I went and bought a new truck and took God's tithe and used it to pay for the truck for the payment. And it should have had a bumper sticker saying I'm driving God's tithe. And I didn't do it once. I did that twice. I'm so broke that I spend more money than I make every month and I use the credit cards to catch the slack. And I have the audacity to look at holy God and say, I'm not the problem. You are. Send more. And there came a day where I had a pivotal moment, a moment of repentance, where I surrendered the final part of my life that was not given over to him, my wallet. And from that day forward, since December 2nd, 2002, have there been challenges? Absolutely. Have there been moments where I had to utterly rely upon God? Absolutely. I don't ever want to be in a place where I have anything that would make me not relying upon him. Because I discovered ultimately this fourth and final point is that we can be free. We can be free. Every single person in this room can be free financially and in your entire life. You see, it says... That wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. In fact, it says that I came that you might have life and have it to the full. And he who the Son has set free, my friends, is free indeed. And let me ask you a question. Does that word describe your life today? Does it describe your finances? And does it describe your life? If it doesn't describe your finances, I encourage you, absolutely come to the financial learning experience this afternoon. It's going to be an event from one to three. There's food, there's child care, and I'm going to teach the practical tools I use to win with my money. We're going to show you how to do a budget that actually works, how to become debt free, how to invest. We're going to talk about investing. Even if you're winning with money, there's over a hundred free financial tools you'll get access to that you can share with those in your life that are not winning with money. And I I would suspect you'll walk away with at least one nugget that will help you as well. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. And if you're not free in your life, that you're in spiritual bondage, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? You know, I think it's interesting that salvation uses financial terminology to be able to describe it. That Jesus died so that we could have a debt of sin paid that we could never repay. We could never earn it, unmerited, and we receive it simply by calling upon the name of the Lord, confessing that he is Lord of our life, and believing in our heart that God has raised him from the dead that we could experience salvation, that we could be saved, more financial terminology, that we might be redeemed. Redemption is a financial terminology. And friends, when I became financially debt-free, I understood my salvation at another level because I am free, free indeed. Will you pray with me? 
God, I thank you so much for every life represented in this room. God, I pray that we would grasp the potential, the potential of what you could do if we truly relinquish this thing called money over to you, recognizing you as the owner and we are the managers. God, if any of us have tried to mistakenly, and God, we've all done it, to try to take over the ownership position, may we fire ourselves in this moment. Surrender it over to you that we might be managers. Help us have a plan that honors you, to put you first with the first fruits through giving, to discover that joy of generosity and returning those first parts to you. God, help us to be able to know your plans for our life. And God, when you show up and provide the resources that allow us to pursue it, to do the dream that you placed in our heart, may we be careful to give you all the glory, all the credit, and all the honor, because it is from you and it is for you. Jesus, we do thank you that you, in an ultimate act of generosity, gave your one and only life, that we could experience freedom, that we could have true salvation, that we'd be able to be free, Lord, free indeed. We'll never get over that outrageously generous gift. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said.